welcome to the Windbreaker Podcast, where we regularly break wind. My name is Sarah Sloan. My job is to bring you an interesting, exciting, and thrilling podcast. Hope you're having a wonderful day doing what you do. Thank you for giving me your time, and let's jump into what we have today. All right. So, I hope you guys are all doing well, and I hope your ears are feeling nice and warm, because my voice is beautiful. And uh, just to kick it in there, I'm going to, of course, do what I always do, and let it rumble. Just like that. All right, so I am joined with my father today, and we're going to be discussing the presidential debate that happened September 29th, 2020, and then we are also going to discuss the vice presidential debate that happened yesterday, October 7th of 2020. So they were both fascinating debates, and um, we're going to be playing clips and then just giving kind of our spiel about it. So... uh. Definitely, they were different, wouldn't you say? They were, they were very different from each other. For sure. You know, I thinking back to the first one, the presidential debate, I think um, I was really bothered by all the negativity, you know, in the aftermath. Yeah. <laughs> and it just seemed like it was so negative and derisive that, it almost was ignoring the content. Yeah, for sure. You know, because everybody just got on the whole bandwagon of, oh, they were terrible. It was, it was terrible. And that way you didn't have to talk about anything that was said. That's so true. You know, and I, so I, I think maybe it gave people an excuse to be dismissive and then just hunker down in their own positions. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I, I remember... <laughs> kind of watching it and enjoying the uh sorry the presidential debate thinking like <laughs> this is very entertaining um yeah they were talking over each other a lot but are you shocked <laughs> right <laughs> like, we know these guys <laughs> to me that didn't ruin it the way that they portrayed it as being ruined <clears throat> you know there was still uh, a lot of good content you could hear you know their positions and the contrast between them for sure and um I don't know if everyone in the audience knows the moderator very well. His name is Chris Wallace. He works for Fox News. So, of course, if you don't know anything, you're just going to think, oh, Fox News, Republican, right-leaning, they're going to favor Trump. So this is going to be a moderator that only is for Trump. But uh, I, I have listened to the um, Fox Sunday News show that he he's the host of. And he is very tough. And I will say his father was a famous journalist kind of growing up. So he, everyone knows his father. So he has basically an established name in journalism. But I, yeah, I never, I was never disillusioned to think that he was going to go easy on Trump. I thought he was going to go harder on Trump and going to go easier on Biden. And that's basically what happened. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think so. You know, you could hear him scolding Trump a lot more. And <laughs> yeah. I guess you could say Trump maybe deserved that. Um, but yeah, there was plenty of tone added to it, you might say. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, basically, I'm going to be playing these clips, and it's not going to be necessarily in chronological order, um, because this is not such a sophisticated um, operation we have here. But I'm going to uh, start off with, um, yeah, basically, you're going to see that 
Trump is always being criticized as he's so mean, he's so nasty, he always throws names and, and things along those lines. And I would say that is true. He does do those things. I, of course, have the belief that it is warranted because the media plays so nasty against him. But you're going to see here that the left is not so polite um, as you're going to hear someone calling someone a clown. So I'm just going to play this clip and get it started. And tonight I'm going With to make what? sure because here's the deal. Here's the deal. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. But you I just agree. want to make sure. Tell you the liar. I, 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 I want to make sure. You graduated last in your class, I, not first in your I, class. I, I want to make Mr. sure. Mr. President, can you let him finish, sir? No, he doesn't know how to do that. He has, You'd you know, surprised. You, you picked be surprised. the go wrong ahead, guy, go, the wrong go, night go. at the wrong time. Listen, you agreed with Here's Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts? You know, there's, <clears throat> I think there was so much going around there. Uh, he was talking about Joe Biden's intelligence. I think there was some reference to maybe Trump not being smart. So then Trump came back at Biden on that issue. And somehow there was a reference to Sanders in there. And of course, Biden wants to separate himself from Sanders. Um, well, in the primaries, I think he was happy to align himself with Sanders to get his support, especially as he was beaten up on Sanders in the primaries. Oh, yeah. And, of course, if he would be elected, he would probably have Sanders in his cabinet. Yep, 100%. So, you know, I, I think he wants to distance himself to continue the narrative of Joe Biden as the moderate. Yes, and, and it's so far from the truth. And the simple fact that um, his VP pick is Harris shows how far from the truth that is. She is super, super to the left. And mm -hmm. Pence is going to, we're going to, hopefully we'll play a clip that uh, where Pence says that. But um, I'm going to skip on to the next one. Mm -hmm. You were mentioning something about him saying smart. So this is a part of the debate that I thought was very entertaining. <laughs> Do you use the word smart? Uh, so you said you went to Delaware State, but you forgot the name of your college. You didn't <laughs> go to so. Delaware State. You graduated either the lowest or almost the lowest in your class. Don't ever use the word smart with me. Don't ever use that word. Oh, give me a break. Because you know what? There's nothing smart about you, Joe. 47 years, you've done well, nothing. Let's have this debate. <laughs> <laughs> it's so entertaining. You know, Joe is kind of, it, it strikes me like a, you know, he's being beat up by the bully and he's trying to fight back and he's not very successful at doing it, but <laughs> yeah. he's just, you know, oh, you're a liar. You lie about everything. You know, he just kind of uses generalities because he doesn't have anything specific or, you know, pointed that he can say. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. And um I am I am glad that Trump because I think he really does need to just expose that uh, a lot of the things the media attacks Trump for your son's doing this your son is doing that it is 
it has literally been found factually that Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, has really been, for example, three, he received $3 million from a mayor in Russia. Mm -hmm. And that is known that there is no arguing that. And there are so many things like this um, that are, that really paint a bad picture on Biden. And nope, there, you know, let's not talk about it. We don't need to talk about it. And Biden ran for president, was it in the 80s or 90s? And had to drop out because he was, uh, he had lied about a lot of things of himself and he basically could not continue in the race anymore. Mm. Mm. We'll have to look up. I don't remember which year that was that he was running. Yeah, I don't remember the year either. And I think Pence does bring it up, but I wanted to play a clip uh, where it really shows Chris Wallace kind of struggling. The moderator, he it's like you really couldn't have a good handle of them. And I think that he kind of came into the debate thinking it was going to be easier than it was going to be. Um, but he really actually struggled. Mm. So you're going to hear some I, of that. I think it, in some ways he he began to feel like he had lost control and was doing a poor job as mm, a moderator. Yeah. And uh, so he, you know, you can tell he's sort of upset. He's upset maybe with himself or maybe the way it's going or his loss of control. Yeah. And, you know, I think he thinks this looks bad and it makes me look bad. And so I think he's kind of lashing out because of that. Mm, mm. I think you're right. You get the final word. Mr. Well, it's hard to get any word in with this clown. Excuse me. This, hey, hey this let me person. just say to you. No, no, no. I'm no. Mr. President. Three and I'm a half Mr. million, President. Joe. That is simply Why did he deserve true. three and a half million it, from it, Moscow? Look, here's the deal. We want to talk about families and ethics. I don't want to do that. I mean, his family, we could talk about all night. His family's my already... Family, no, 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 my family already lost wrote. a fortune by coming down ahead, and helping us with government. Ahead, and that's Every, such a... And they're right here. Mr. President. Every single one of them lost This a is not about my family or his family. It's about your family. The American people. He doesn't... That's not true. It doesn't want to talk about what you need. You, the American people. It's about you. That's what we're talking about. All right. That's the end of the... <laughs> so yeah, you hear that struggle there. And then of course you hear Trump making a really good point that um, he was really on top socially. Everybody loved him and he has just been attacked and everybody hates Trump now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so from beloved to hated versus Biden has had a life of politics, 47 years. And mm-hmm. he has been able to maintain this good image even though he has enriched himself on politics. I I want you guys to think about this, really. Um, Trump made himself wealthy from business. And you could argue if that's right or wrong. I think it's great. Um, With politics, though, Biden has, he literally entered his political career. He's been doing this for 47 years. Why should he be so rich? (laughs) Really, (laughs) why? Uh, But for some reason, we think it's bad that a businessman is rich and then that biden is rich is okay and trump is the one that literally gives away his four hundred thousand dollar a year salary as Mm. president so there's a lot that doesn't make sense there it it is interesting um when you think of some of the advantages of having a businessman who is independently wealthy 
go into politics where, in a sense, he's not subject to the same temptations toward corruption. Uh, he really, in a sense, has all the money he would want. <clears throat> Whereas someone who starts out with relatively little and enriches himself and his family members through politics. And that is, of course, not done in an upfront um, legal way. It's done through influence, selling of influence. Yes. You know, what? why should Hunter Biden receive these large amounts of money? It's because the, you're purchasing his father's favor by giving that money to him. Yes. <laughs> and... You know, that, that's basically selling influence. And is that what we want of our politicians, that they sell their influence to foreign countries so that there's, you know, there's always going to be a conflict of interest for them and they're obviously not going to be unaffected when they have to make decisions. They're going to have loyalties to these that have paid them off. So, you know, sometimes we really get down on business people, but... Money that's been earned in the private sector is a whole lot more legitimate than money that is earned in the public sector through corruption. Yes. And I'm not talking about public sector salaries, but believe me, all these millions that they amass, it's not through salaries. It's, well, perhaps it is the salaries like Burisma in the Ukraine. Yes. Uh, million dollar salaries for doing nothing. Yeah, that kind of salary... Uh, obviously is very, very questionable. For sure. Yeah, it's, it, I remember they had um, pictures of all the Democratic candidates' houses, and they were all very nice mm -hmm. houses. And seriously, I have no problem with people making a lot of money and doing well in their life. But the Democrats attack that, and they hate that, and they act like it's the worst thing in the whole world, yet Bernie Sanders has three houses, um, Kamala Harris lives in a huge mansion. Mm -hmm. it, it's just so hypocritical and it's frustrating um, that they they think that no one deserves that except for themselves. They're not public servants. They think they're kings and queens. Um, but yes, I'm going to quickly go to another clip um, more about COVID. Here's a one little anecdote real quick. Okay. Uh, my father, your grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he had a position with the water and sewer department in Miami. So, of course, he had a salary. You know, it was a good salary. But then there'd be contractors that wanted to do work for the city and the county. So they wanted his favor to be picked over other contractors. So they would send him gifts and probably try to wine and dine him. <laughs> He would refuse it all. He would send everything back. He said, I am paid to protect the public money. I am a public servant, and I don't take bribes or anything that could influence me, and I don't even want to give the appearance thereof because if I accept those things and people see that, then they may make a connection and say, you did that as a favor because you got something. So he, he refused to do any of that, and all he would take was his salary. That doesn't happen in Washington. I didn't know that. That's a really cool story. Mm -hmm. 
He he was a man of integrity. Yeah. I love that so much. Mm. All right, I'm going to play this clip now. Good luck. 200,000 dead. As you said, over 7 million infected in the United States. We, in fact, have 5%, 4% of the world's population, 20% of the deaths. 40,000 people a day are contracting COVID. In addition to that, about between 750 and 1,000 people a day are dying. When he was presented with that number, he said, it is what it is. Well, it is what it is because you are who you are. That's why it is. The president has no plan. He hasn't laid out anything. He knew all the way back in February how serious this crisis was. He knew it was a deadly disease. What did he do? He's on tape as acknowledging he knew it. He said he didn't tell us or give people a warning of it because he didn't want to panic the American people. You don't panic. He panicked. In addition to that, what did he do? He went in and he, we were insisting that the Chinese, the, the people we had on the ground in China should be able to go to Wuhan and determine for themselves how dangerous this was. He did not even ask Xi to do that. He told us what a great job she was doing. He said we owe him a debt of gratitude for being so transparent with us. And what did he do then? He then did nothing. He, he waited and waited and waited. He still doesn't have a plan. Well, I laid out sir, back in March exactly so, so what wrong. we should be doing. And I laid out again in July what we should be doing. We should be providing all the protective gear possible. We should be providing the money the House has passed in order to be able to go out and get people the help they need to keep their businesses open, open schools that cost a lot of money. You should get out of your bunker and get out of the sand trap and get in, in your golf course and go in the Oval Office and bring together the Democrats and Republicans and fund what needs to be done now to save lives. So <laughs> that was kind of a rampage. And it's definitely a major part of the Democrat position is to hammer Trump on COVID and, of course, to blame him for every aspect of it. In a sense, you know, when, when have we last had a pandemic? Was it the Spanish flu? I, I guess so, 1918. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we, this isn't something that, um, you know, we're used to and even... I'm sure it's very different than that one in 1918 in terms of what was available, medical knowledge and everything else. So, you know, you're basically hammering somebody for something that is unprecedented and, and you're making a very strong implication. I could have done better. If I was in charge, it wouldn't have been so bad. Yeah. There would have been less deaths. It would have been, you know, dealt with. And there's really absolutely no evidence for that, but nor, you know, what can you say in response to that? Yeah. You know, how, how can you prove a hypothetical? It's, if I was in power, it would have been better. I could have done it differently that it, there wouldn't have been as many deaths. There's nothing you can do to respond to that with any evidence. Yes. And that's why it's such an easy, it's a, such an easy mm -hmm. one for Biden. Um, and he loves it. He loves saying all that. But he, he's such a hypocrite because um, whenever Trump began closing off travel to from China, Biden was saying, oh, that's so racist, blah, blah, blah. And all of these Democrats were saying that. Pelosi was saying it. 
Um, she was in San Francisco's Chinatown, just exclaiming how uh, we all need to be there and, and be there for the Chinese. And then this started getting more serious. And then they were super, super, um, you know, they were speaking the other way, close everything down, close everything down. And there's even a couple of comments from Biden where he was saying, you ruined the economy because you shut everything down. The Democrats wanted everything shut down. Okay, I I have to be very honest and say I kind of disagree with everyone's approach on it. I, I don't like the way anyone handled it. And I'm not saying, oh, I could come in and do a thousand times better. I'm simply saying that I wish that we could just be individuals that if you basically share the information, share how bad this is, tell us what happens. And I decide if I want to go out to Walmart. I decide if I want to eat at a restaurant. And I make the decision for myself because I'm an individual. And if I get harmed by it, that's on me. And if I didn't want to do that, I can quarantine myself. I can have Walmart deliver my groceries to my door. I could do all of that. But we have not been able to make that choice for ourselves because we are just dumb Americans. And uh, yeah, so that's been my frustrating, uh, frustration with it all. And Sweden really had a hands-off approach and they let people do pretty much what they needed to do. And right now they're having major recovery and they're doing better than us. At first it was, it was pretty bad there, but overall it's been fine. And the reality also is uh, the majority of people don't die from this. So yes, you might get it. And yeah, you're going to feel pretty terrible, but the majority of people will not die from it. And the people that come back and say, oh, well, that one person that died, that if we can save one life, no, that's a silly thing to say. Mm. That is a very silly thing to say that sounds virtuous, but isn't. It's actually the opposite because we are trying to sustain a uh, level of life that makes this country worth living in. And right now we're stripping it away by um, having so many regulations Mm. on businesses Mm -hmm. and you think that they're going to take back this power that they they've now wielded? No, they're going to keep it and they're just going to get more and more and more. You know, part of the discussion is really what is the role of government in these situations? Mm. And of course the Democrats believe that government does everything, solves every problem, you know, can, can do anything and should do everything. So they don't have any questions about, you know, the government being involved in this. But I think the major decision to be made for that Trump had to make, and that was, do we do this at a federal level or do we let the states do it? And I believe, you know, he could see the writing on the wall, and that was, if we try to do this at a federal level, we have states that are so different in their thinking, they will not submit. They're just going to do it their way anyway. And they're going to blame me and the federal government for whatever approach we do have, whatever plan we have, as Biden said, that they should have a plan. So I believe he made the right decision by leaving it to the states. You've got states that want extreme regulation. And then you've got states that want none. Yeah. And if he would have tried to make it a national policy, you know, I think there would have been chaos because there's parts of the country they would not have put up with 
regulation. And then there's parts of the country that would have wanted so much more regulation. Mm. And they'd be blaming all their results in New York and California, wherever, on Trump and whatever the federal policy was, it would be criticized to no end. Yeah. So he made the decision, let the states come up with their policies. So now it makes it real easy for Biden to come along and say, you didn't have a plan. You still don't have a plan. The plan was to let all the states come up with their own rules and regulations. That has been the plan. So, of course, it's real easy for Biden to throw stones and say, you don't have a plan. No, there really was a plan. And I think it's fairly, well, I think it was the right choice because I think there was a lot of differences in our 50 states and it made sense to let them each go their own way. Even differences politically, even differences in their way of thinking about the pandemic and you were not going to get them all united on that. Yeah, you're really having, yeah, honestly, you opened my eyes to that. If it was Biden, it would have been all across the country. You have to wear a mask. You will have, um, you'll get ticketed if you have it not covering your nose. You have to do this. You have to do that. Um, that really is true. It would have been a lot scarier. And it doesn't matter if New York is worse than Texas and if Texas really actually didn't need those restrictions. Um, it would have still been in place because if it can save even one person, it's amazing the stuff that you can do by saying that simple statement. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it really is crazy. Um, I quickly just wanted to play uh, a clip of Trump speaking about COVID. So I will do that right now. President Trump did a phenomenal job. We worked with the governor. Oh, really? Go take a look. The governor said I did a phenomenal job. Most of them said that. In fact, people that would not be necessarily on my side said that. President Trump did a phenomenal job. We did. We got the gowns. We got the masks. We made the ventilators. You wouldn't have made ventilators. And now we're weeks away from a vaccine. We're doing therapeutics already. Fewer people are dying when they get sick. Far fewer people are dying. We've done a great job. The only thing I haven't done a good job, and that's because of the fake news. No matter what you say to them, they give you bad press on it. It's just fake news. They give you good press. They give me bad press because that's the way it is, unfortunately. But let me just tell you something. I don't care. I've gotten used to it. But I'll tell you, Joe, you could never have done the job that we did. You don't have it in your blood. You could have never done that job. <laughs> he told him. <laughs> he sure did. You know, it's interesting. Um, Yeah, just, you know, just the way he uh, describes it all. Uh, you know, the, it is interesting because before I was talking about the difference between the federal approach and letting all the states, but there really was that element that he um, had a mass production in the private sector of huge amounts of whatever the PPE stuff they refer to. And... Uh, I don't believe the Democrats would have pushed for that and, and done it as effectively through private companies. And yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine. Can you imagine trying to have a policy, you know, that you apply in New York city and that you apply in South Dakota? Oh yeah. Uh, what are you going to have federal agents out yeah, there? Yeah. You know, looking for people that are violating and closing every church and you know, it's, 
it, it would have made no sense at all. And yet that's the way the Democrats think. But it's so backwards because they say to defund the police. Mm, mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Then they want to strong arm us into wearing masks. They, they would want nice uh, <laughs> public servants who don't have guns, don't know anything about force or violence or yeah. chokeholds or yeah. anything like that, uh, that they would come out and talk nicely to everybody and they would just magically submit and obey. I wish. that That's just, <laughs> that's not the nature of how things work. Um, man, okay. So um, we're going to kind of merge into a different topic now. So I'm going to start it off with the first clip. This is a president who has used everything as a dog whistle to try to generate racist hatred, racist division. This is a man who, in fact, you talk about helping African-Americans. One in 1,000 African-Americans has been killed because of the coronavirus. And if he doesn't do something quickly, by the end of the year, one in 500 will have been killed. One in 500 African-Americans. This man, this man, is the is a savior of African-Americans. This man cares at all. This man's done virtually nothing. Look, the fact is that you have to look at what he talks about. You have to look at what he did. And what he did has been disastrous for the African-American community. <laughs> you know, he's, of course, trying to paint Trump as a racist, which has been uh, nothing new. The whole the media has been doing that for years. Oh, yeah. But... He's really just using one aspect in his argument, and that was COVID. You know, what has, what did Trump have to do with the rate, death rate of African Americans? Did mm. Trump somehow cut back on care for African Americans? Did he have any policy that made any distinguish uh, between African Americans and anybody else? You know, that. It's ludicrous, and he's even referring to death rates of 0.1%, and then he said it might even go up to 0.2%. Yeah. Of 1%, you know, two-tenths of a per, of 1%. So, you know, which are relatively small numbers, but they have nothing to do with Trump. Trump can't control the death rates of African Americans. He's not, there's no different policy for how African Americans are treated. It's ridiculous. Basically, because this disease has killed some people, then Biden says it's killed this many black people. So what in the world, what is Trump doing for black people? It, it's amazing what you can twist to say that Trump's a racist. Like, what in the world? You could do the same. If I was serving kids in a cafeteria at school and one out of 12 of the kids I served were black, you could come at me and say, wow, Sarah, you serve way more um, white children than black children. Only one out of 12 of the kids that you serve are black. Can you believe that? <laughs> right. It, yeah, it, it's crazy. You know, I guess if you tried to put numbers on police killings of black, they're so tiny that he couldn't even quote any number like that. No. So... He had to turn to something, some number, and it was COVID. You know, and, and even that number is very, very small. You know, like he doesn't even make a distinction that that's a higher rate of death than non-African Americans. Yeah. But even if he did, what does Trump have to do with that? You know, is it Trump's fault that there's greater 
vulnerabilities physically in the African-American community. Don't think that's Trump's fault. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, and, and how, so if it's not his fault, then how can that be some proof for his racism? Just ridiculous. And really all the things that Trump has done to help the economy and working African-Americans are so much more substantial, even the prison reforms that he's brought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's funny because then they're able to, the Trump team is able to turn this around. So then whenever he's benefiting the economy and everyone as a whole, he's able to say, look how I've benefited African-Americans because they're just one segment of the population that he's benefiting. He's benefiting all, but then he's able to use that same tactic and point out African-Americans and somehow it's better because he pointed that out. Mm. Of course, you and I, we don't right. care. We want everyone to be benefited. If you're black and you're benefited, wonderful. As long as everyone's benefited, I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't know if, you know, I, I'm sure African-Americans have higher rates of unemployment, perhaps, or lower yeah. um, per capita income. Yeah. So when the economy, you know, helps and they, they do better, maybe their increases are going to be higher than the rest. Yeah, for sure. And But the truth is, when you have a healthy, thriving economy, everybody is benefited. Yes. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Um, now we're going to play a clip about defunding the police. What I support is the police having the opportunity to deal with the problems they face. And I'm, not, I'm totally opposed to defunding the police officers. As a matter of fact, police, local police, the only one defunding in his budget calls for a $400 million cut in local law enforcement assistance. They need more assistance. They need when they show up for a 9-11 call to have someone with them as a psychologist or psychiatrist to keep them from having to use force and be able to talk people down. We have to have community policing like we had before where the officers get to know the people in the communities. That's when crime went down. It didn't go up. It went down. And so we have to be engaged. That's not what they're talking about, that's, Chris. That's well, not what that, that's he's talking exactly, about defunding the that, police. That is not true. He doesn't have any would, law would you, support. Look, he has no law enforcement that's support. That's not true. Almost. <laughs> it's true. He doesn't. He really doesn't. And even um, he later asked him, could you name an organization? And Biden couldn't name a single one. Right. Which I understand. He put him on the spot. But seriously, nothing. And, and that's just the way it is. But... Uh, <laughs> it, well, it's interesting because the more extreme views of the Democratic Party, you know, they're trying to keep under the table during the general election because they're very unpopular. But the real evidence was, um, I'd say, the silence. There was a long period of silence when the protest began, and there was... Biden was saying nothing against them. And that really gave a clear sign that he was supporting yes. the protests. Yeah. And part of the protests is to defund the police. So he's in bed with that already. And he can't come back now and try to, uh, you know, switch on that. You know, I think we all know that if he was elected, he would be very supportive of groups that want to defund the police. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and even some of the references he made about a psychiatrist, psychologist, you know, that is part of it. It's taking money from traditional law enforcement 
and transferring it to this new way of doing law enforcement, which involves, you know, no guns, no force, uh, you know, psychology, social work. That's where the money is to be transferred to, as though that would somehow be effective in dealing with these situations. Yeah, if you're a woman and your husband is beating you, you call the police and they send over a psychiatrist. I'm sorry, that doesn't make me feel safe. The, the sad thing is, in these very violent situations and even the tragedies where African Americans are hurt or killed, they're all terrible situations. And, you know, many of them involve drugs, many of them involve resisting arrest, many of them involve uh, guns. And those are not situations that are going to be easily, you know, if we just take a little bit more time, if we just calm down, you know, that, that that's part of the humanism of the Democratic Party. Yeah, We can solve all our problems. We are wise enough. We have the ability to do it. And it just simply isn't true. These are all crisis situations that are very desperate and there are no easy solutions. And, you know, you've got people with very powerful drugs rushing through their bodies uh, and you've got very strong emotions and violence going on. And it's very dangerous for, for law enforcement I think it would probably be very dangerous for any social worker or psychiatrist that would be on scene too. <laughs> I totally would. <laughs> I, it's, it's almost, yeah, it is laughable because it's such a joke and I don't want our taxpayer dollars going to that. I want to make sure if I'm not feeling safe that a cop comes and that he has a gun and he can protect me. That's what I care about because I don't have a gun and I need to feel safe. You need somebody to come who's stronger than the bad guy. Yes. You don't need somebody to come over that might talk and try to reason with the bad guy. And, and here's the funniest part. Liberals are not stupid. They know this. But they just say it. Mm -hmm. They just say these things. And then it, it's up to us, the conservatives, to say the difficult thing. And then we sound like the jerks because we said, no, no, no. We do need strong people with guns. And they're like, well, come on, can we, can we just not have that? And then can we just have the social workers do it? And we're like, no, no, we need this. And like, well, you're a jerk for saying that. And that's the way that it always is. We always have to be the jerks. We always have to be the ones to say these things. But someone's got to do it. So their, their arguments can sound more appealing to innocent, naive, and unknowing people. Yeah. But when it comes right down to it, they don't work. No, very impractical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I am going to play the most probably uh, spoken about moment of the debate. Can you guess what it is already? <laughs> Which debate? Uh, sorry, this debate. Uh, the presidential debate? Yes. I cannot. Oh, I'm surprised. Okay, well, I'm going to play the clip. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups sure. and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha, and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what, what, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. 
do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and right like me to condemn? White supremacists and right Proud Boys. Boys, stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right-wing own, problem. This is, this is a left-wing. This is a left-wing problem. White supremacist. Antifa's an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not malicious. That's what his FBI his okay. FBI director Gentlemen, said. Well, then, gonna, you know what? No, no, we're done, we're done, sir. Everybody, we're moving on to the next. We're moving Antifa is is an idea. It's not an organization. Yeah, it's just an idea. You know, if a massive uh, a massive group comes and burns down buildings and jumps on cars and pulls people out of their cars or yells at people when they're eating at a restaurant, telling them to raise their fists, yelling inches away from their face. It's just an idea, <laughs> you know. It's easy to say that when it's not in your face. Oh, yeah. I would, oh, man. Well, we've talked about this in a past episode, people yelling in, in mm. your face. Um, the thing that really shocked people the most was that Trump said, stand back and stand by. Um, to a white about a white supremacist group, which, by the way, the Proud Boys is not a white supremacist group. They are agitators. They're not a positive thing, but the leader of that group is not white. <laughs> mm. He's not a white man. He's Hispanic, right? Yes, he's Hispanic. So they're not white supremacist, but they throw a name, and everybody thinks that this is a white supremacist group, but they are not. And Trump didn't even know who this group was. So he, they, and by the way, whenever... Chris Wallace was speaking. I I thought I heard Trump say sure that he would condemn this group about four times. I thought I heard it maybe even a few times more. He said, sure, sure I will. Sure. Yeah, then sure. he said, what's the sure name? Sure I will. Yeah, what's the name? Yeah. He, he, and by the way, there's been clips where I've heard Trump can, just like two minutes straight of him condemning, condemning, because he is asked this every single time he speaks with journalists. They always ask him, will you condemn this group? Will you condemn this group? And he always does it. And I'm telling you, there's just a certain point where if someone asked you, for example, if I asked you, can you do the dishes, dad? And I was like, can you do the dishes? Can you do the dishes? And you, you had said yes the first time. And then you're doing the dishes. And I'm like, can you do the dishes? Can you do the dishes? Can you do the dishes? There's going to be a point where you're like, you're doing, you're literally doing the dishes and you're going to say, No. <laughs> you're, you're, you get agitated with being asked something like that again and again and again. And for those of you judging me saying that right now, you would feel the same way if someone asked if you were racist 40 million times. Mm. It is frustrating. And Trump is a man that will not put up with that. And so, yeah, he does give them a hard time because he knows deep, in, deep down inside that he's not a racist and we all know he's not a racist. He doesn't have to prove that to us. But the left wants to make him look like a racist, so they're always asking him questions like that. Like, yeah. yeah or have you heard the... Do, sorry. Have you heard the the one where it's like they ask a man, do you beat your wife? Do you beat your wife? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that kind of an example. Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? You know, it's it's really not just a question. It's like an accusation inside of a question. Yeah, that's a good way so of saying it's it. it's accusatory in its tone. Uh, you know, if you, if you ask somebody, are you racist, there's an implication that there's a reason for that, there's a basis for that, when in reality with him there is not. But it's amazing if the media says it 20 million times, then 
it eventually seems like it's the truth. Yes. You know, and people say, well, I heard. Yeah, yeah, you're going to hear it because it's being repeated so many times. Yeah. But that really doesn't mean anything as to truth. It's so true. And, and yeah, it, that's really what it is. Oh, yeah, but CNN says it all the time. And that's a, that's a big news company. So therefore, it must be true. No. It, Anderson man. Cooper and Don Lemon, they're going to repeat it every night and say the worst thing possible about him. Yeah, because they hate his guts. They hate him more than anything else. So yeah, they're going to say the worst thing. And right now, one of the worst things you could say about someone is that they're racist. It's worse than rape, even. Mm-hmm. You could rape someone, and people will care less about that than if you're racist. It's it's amazing. The worst thing you could be right now is racist. That's true. In our that's, society. That's true. And I think racism is awful. But raping is more awful. Mm-hmm. I would rather have someone be told a racist joke than have someone be raped. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I know that makes me one of the worst people on the planet, but mm-hmm. that's just how I feel. Uh, so, yeah, it, it is ridiculous. And, um, yeah, the thing is, all the whole point of this debate and all that it did was enrage both sides even more. And put and it it the reality is... Debates just intensify. They don't actually really do any good. Mm-hmm. But I think it's still good for them to happen. And I enjoy them. And I like talking about them with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's worth it in the end. I, I think it did have value. And I, as I said at the beginning, I think it's unfortunate that people just tried to dismiss the whole thing because of, you know, the interruptions. Yeah. You know, it, it, it did have value in spite of the interruptions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm actually going to play a clip of uh, Chris Wallace, <laughs> you know, yeah, just being Chris Wallace. So here's the deal. Good point. We have f- six segments. We have ended that segment. We're going to go to the next segment. In that segment, you each are going to have two uninterrupted moments. In those two interrupted minutes, Mr. President, you can say anything you want. I'm going to ask a question about race, but if you want to answer about something else, go ahead. But we, we, I think that the country would be better served if we allowed both people to speak with fewer interruptions. I, I'm appealing to you, sir, to do that. Well, and him too. Well, frankly, you've been doing more interrupting well, than he right, has. that's all right, but he does plenty. Well, less than, <laughs> sir, yeah, less than. plenty. No, he less does. than you have. Let's please continue. <laughs> Daddy Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little bias there, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, just a little. He, he didn't want to admit that Joe had done interrupting. Yes, because he, he has done zero interrupting. Right, right. He could have, come on, he could have just said, could the both of you please just not interrupt? Right. Just say it. He wanted to be blatantly focused on Trump. Yes, because bad boy Trump. Mm-hmm. And I love Trump. The way he just throws it right back, he's like, no, well, he's done it too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love about him. He's just so willing yeah. to do that. Uh, but yeah, that that's the way it was. Um yeah, now let's kind of move into the uh, into the part, you know, about Amy Cohen, uh, Coney Barrett, and she is the um, Supreme Court pick. And mm-hmm. there, there's basically the left are scared out of their mind of her. She's a Catholic woman um, with uh, seven kids, I think, or five, five or seven. Um, two adopted from Haiti. And yeah, she's very devout. And she... Um, she would be his third pick on the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. which is a big deal because there's only nine of them. 
Yeah. I, right now there's only nine. Yeah, right now there's only nine. I, hopefully I can play the clip of uh, court packing. If not, we will just talk about it. But I'm going to play this now. Now, what's at stake here is the president's made it clear he wants to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. He's been running on that. He ran on that. And he's been governing on that. He's in the Supreme Court right now trying to get rid of uh, the, uh, the Affordable Care Act, which uh, will strip 20 million people from having insurance, health insurance now, if it, if they, if it goes into court. And, and uh, the justice, and I have nothing, I'm not opposed to the justice, she seems like a very fine person. But she's written before she went on the bench, which is her right, that she thinks that the Affordable Care Act is not constitutional. The other thing that's on the court, and if, if, if it's struck down, what happens? Women's rights are fundamentally changed. Once again, a woman could be held, pay more money because she has a pre-existing condition of pregnancy. We were able to, they were able to charge a woman more for the same exact procedure a man did, gets. And that ended when we, in fact, passed the Affordable Care Act. And there's 100 million people who have pre-existing conditions, and they'll be taken away as well. Those pre-existing conditions, the insurance companies are going to love this. And so it's just not appropriate to do this before this election. If he wins the election and the Senate is Democrat or Republican, then it, he goes forward. If not, we should wait until February. All right. There are. <laughs> I was hoping you could bring up um, kind of that argument you were making to me about, well, what if we did this with everything? You know, any, like we have to stop everything, mm. any vote. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, just the fact that they're saying, let the people decide well, the people elected Donald Trump, the people elected the Senate, and they have a term of service, and the term is from one date to another date, and then it ends. And this thought that uh, let the people decide as though they hadn't voted for these people, it, it doesn't really make any sense, as though if, if he places a justice now, then the people would not have decided that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, or that I guess he's maybe he's trying to say, let it be more current, you know, with a, a current vote as opposed to ones that were, well, the Senate was elected two years ago, four years ago and six years ago, Yes, all the senators and Trump was elected almost four years ago. So, yeah, it would be more recent votes, but it doesn't mean that it's not you know, the people voting, they, they voted for every single one of these individuals. Yes. You know, who are exercising this power that's been given to them. Yes, 100%. And um, really, the whole point of the Supreme Court is to make sure that we are holding fast to the Constitution. And that, I'm sorry, but the Democrats, they don't think that way. They want to change the Constitution. They call it a living, breathing document that it doesn't matter. And our Constitution has lasted longer than um, any other Constitution in the world. Um, just that it's whatever, how 200, something like that. Yeah, yours. Yeah. No other Constitution, France, no other country has been able to do that. So um, it's not even a good thing to say, will Amy Cohen, uh, Cohen e. Barrett overturn Roe versus Wade? That's not important. What matters is the Constitution. That, see, that's not an issue for the Democrats. And yeah. That's why they never mentioned that. Yeah, for sure. For for them, someone that 
holds to the Constitution, that's a negative. All they're talking about are two issues, Roe v. Wade and the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. They, they just want what they want. They want to have power over health care, and they want to have power over, you know, uh, choice, I guess they call it, but it's to allow abortion to continue. So, you know, and that's the way they operate, and that's the way their justices operate. Yeah. They, they don't look at the Constitution. They do, no, what do we want? You know, how do you find same-sex marriage in the Constitution? <laughs> you know, it, it's for them, it's just, no, that's what we want. Yeah. And, and the Constitution doesn't have anything to do with it. Now, you might mention it in the opinion, but in reality, that's not being considered whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so this is a quick one I'm going to play just because it was a little funny to me. Mm-hmm. People want their places open. They want to get back to their lives. People They'll be careful, be but they want their schools open. Okay. I'm the one safe. that brought back football. By the way, I brought back Big Ten <laughs> football. It was me, and it, I'm very happy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was obviously just about COVID. And I, I just thought it was hilarious because he, <laughs> he was so funny. Like, I brought back football. I'm a good guy. <laughs> you know, Biden's uh, basically arguing safety. People want to be safe. Yeah. Well, you know, you have a choice to go to the restaurant or not, but he wants to shut it all down yep. so that you don't have the choice. Yep. Trump wants to allow it to be open and then everybody can make their own decision. But I'll tell you what, I think a lot of businesses that are either you know shut down or going to be shut down, they probably would side more with Trump on that issue. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the simple fact he's like, oh, I, I could, if the medical experts said it, the, sorry, Biden says this, if the medical experts said it, I'd close the whole country down again. Yay. Thank mm-hmm. you, Biden. Mm-hmm. Let's do some more of that because that's really fun. Yeah, just the, the role of government, the place of government, uh, the power of government. You know, those are issues that for the Democrats, they have all power. They can command whatever you know, actions need to be taken and freedoms, they're just cast aside. They say, oh, it's for safety, so we can do anything we want. And I think you've really gotten a taste of that in these past few months. You know, the way they view power, the way, you know, they view the role of government in exercising that power. And I, I believe it's excessive. Oh, yes, very much so. Um, it's crazy. So um, we were speaking before kind of at the beginning of people's opinions of the debate. And so this is a, kind of a news clip of, um, have you heard of Frank Lutz? Yes. Yeah. Very famous. Really quickly, what do you know about him? Kind of a pollster or um, he's real good with statistics and uh, trends as to elections. Yes. You know, the, the latest as to what is happening in the country leading up to a major election. Yes. And it seems like he's highly sought after by like all news net- networks. It doesn't even matter right or left. Um, but he, you're going to hear some of him and um, yeah, I just, I listen to all kinds of podcasts. Obviously I try to stay informed and he just pops up on like almost all of them. It's, it's interesting. Uh, he's not always right. So, you know, I, I think he would, he would fancy himself as the most accurate person. He's not, but, but that's okay because he's 
he's basically gathering the opinions of people and making inferences based off of those. And that's never going to be perfect. So I understand. So I'm going to play that clip. And he's put together his own focus group of, as I understand it, 15 undecided voters from seven different swing states. There's nobody we'd rather have on this sort of subject, Frank, than you. You do it so well. We have Jeannie Zeno and Rick Davis joining us as well. So, Frank, give us the initial answer. I'm not saying it's necessarily the final answer. What did your focus group tell you? Focus group told me that Chris Wallace was the winner in trying to control the two debaters that America was the loser, quite frankly. And I know that this is going to upset everyone. It's gonna upset your, your colleagues, it's gonna, going to upset supporters of both campaigns. But the fact is, this was the most disruptive, uh, aggressive, rude, uh, um, I don't know, I don't have the thesaurus to give you all the words that were, that were going through my, uh, my swing voter group. People were really mad at what was happening. I wanted to do this conversation right here because I wanted to capture what was going on. And the audience was stunned in this room. Didn't matter whether you were supporting Joe Biden or Donald Trump, they were shocked about what was happening. They were agitated about it. They, they thought that neither, neither candidate uh, behaved well. Uh, Joe Biden telling Donald Trump to shut up. My God, that has never happened in American politics. Think about that. Or Donald Trump interrupting and interrupting and interrupting and not stopping. So I got to tell you that people are leaving this hall really disillusioned. My focus group was really disappointed. And I'll tell you that the coverage you're going to get tonight, other than those who are highly and, and unfairly partisan, is that the public was really the loser of what happened this year. Yeah, so what, what, is you, what are your thoughts there? Well, it kind of goes along with what I had said earlier, uh, feeling like so much of this has been, to, of the first debate was dismissed. So I guess sometimes they say the only way people become disillusioned is if they were first illusioned. Yeah. If they believed an illusion or a lie, I guess I never believed that about either of these two men. So nothing that happened there surprised me. Um, you know, I don't know if people had, you know, that they were so, their expectations of politicians are so high. I, I don't know why <laughs> they yeah. would be that way. But that's kind of what it seems like he's saying. Yeah. Uh, whereas I didn't go away with any of those feelings at that those 15 people had. Yeah, here's a here's a reality also. Um, we like Trump, at least I do, because he is so different from every other politician. He says what is on his mind. We're always hearing from him via Twitter. We really get a grasp on what's happening in government because of him. And I like the way he's so blunt. I like the, the stuff he says. Uh, everyone's like, oh, he, his policies are good, but I hate his tweets. I love his tweets. And no, I'm not saying they're perfect, but I love them. So mm -hmm. <laughs> um, basically, I thought he performed just as he always does, the same way he was with Clinton. Now, what I will say surprised me about the debate was how disrespectful Biden was, calling the president a clown, telling him to shut up, Telling them to telling him to hush or quit yapping, that was surprising because the left hates Trump so much for the way that he talks and all this you know informal way of speaking 
Biden does the same thing and then it's celebrated. Everybody said mm. they would play clips of Trump saying, can you just shut up? And they were like, finally, someone says what I've been wanting to say to the president this whole time. And I'm like, okay, well, if it was such a bad thing that Trump was doing this, why is it now a good thing that Biden's doing it? Because it's Biden. Yep. And they've villainized the president. Anybody that um, puts him down, parodies him, you know, late night, they've been doing that for three years. Oh, my gosh. And Seth Meyers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, that it's like people cheer for that. Uh, any, um, you know, SNL imitation, anything to make fun of him and put him down and criticize uh, is cheered. And that's, unfortunately, that's, the media has put forward that narrative and a lot of our country is just rooting for Trump to lose. And I think that's the primary support for Biden, rooting for Trump to lose. That really is it. Um, Jane Fonda, a very famous actress, I heard a clip of her saying that um, COVID was a godsend and she laughed. And I, I was like, that's disgusting. How in the world could you say that mm -hmm. and laugh? Like, mm -hmm. are you serious? Yeah. yeah. It, it's amazing, but they expose themselves. So we're going to um, hear from the expert himself on who actually won the debate. <laughs> I hear he doesn't want to go forward, but that's up to him. I mean, I would, yeah, I would like to. We, by every measure, we won the debate easily last night. I think he was very weak. He looked weak. He was whining. Uh, yeah, we won the debate by almost every poll that I saw. If you look at the uh, the various polls, I looked at about six of them. We won every one of them. So, no, I'd, I don't mind debating him. I hear he wants to get out of the debates. I don't know. That's up to him. That's his commentary on the debate. Yes. <laughs> no bias. Obviously, and I don't, I don't insult anyone for saying this, but if it's your side, you have to just say that the, right. the person won because it's about what, you believe years from from now so if you just say it and say it and say it it becomes solidified in your mind right um so that's just the reality of it uh in my honest assessment i think biden did fairly well he didn't do his whole stuttering and all of that true and he he was able to attack trump i i think the frustrating part is he would just ramble and he would just say whatever was on his mind. He wouldn't answer the question. And I do think he had an unfavorable advantage because Chris Wallace was being so biased against Trump. So I think that Biden had some help. But at the end of the day, Trump was able to put in his comments and take his shots against Biden. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I am biased, but I think Trump did win that debate. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I know we may not get to it, in this session, but the, to me, the vice presidential debate was a lot clearer as to who won. Yes. Uh, I think it was pretty one-sided for Pence. And I say that what I believe is objectively speaking. Yes. I think the presidential debate was a lot closer and because of the way it, you know, went with the interruptions, I think it's harder to play, you know, say that someone was a winner. Yeah, for sure. 
I think that kind of muddied the waters and yeah, it, it just wasn't as clear because of that. Obviously I agree with what Trump said 10 times more than Biden, but um, obviously the other side would say the same thing. Yes, definitely. No, 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 you're, you're, you're bringing up a good point. So um, uh, basically we were going to do all of it once, but uh, this, you know, I think each debate warrants its own podcast. So we're going to do a part two for this really quickly though. There, I am just going to give some, you know, news as far as what's happening for the next presidential debate. Essentially they were saying, well, we all know that Trump got COVID and he has really done well health wise. Um, he's been back at work and, and working hard and just doing a great job versus you do see Biden and he has hidden himself away. And of course he hasn't gotten COVID. So, you know, you could argue, but I'm sorry, I don't want, I don't want our president hiding away. I don't think that's a, that's an image that I want to have. I want to see our president being out there and really being fearless. So I am personally not angry that Trump uh, got COVID out of his lack of responsibility. And by the way, his wife got it as well. And so I will say Biden was very respectful and said that, um, said, you know, that he hopes Trump gets better. There were a lot of people that said very nasty things like finally, or he deserves this. Somehow the, the virus is able to discern that if you are out at a a BLM protest, that the virus will not affect you. But if you are a Republican at a Trump rally, the virus will affect you. (laughs) It just somehow knows uh, (laughs) what to do. (laughs) Likewise, the church services. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, So yeah, it's just very scary in that sense. So um, basically there's just been a lot of kind of wonder about what's going to happen with the next debate for the president. Uh, Just to quickly say it, the vice presidential debate had some plexiglass. So there was, uh, two huge things of glass between both candidates. So that was their attempt at keeping them safe. They were wanting to do for this presidential debate, have them uh, do it virtually, which I think is a total waste of time. We watch these things that are done um, over Zoom, and I'm sorry, they're a pain in the butt. Everyone talks over each other. Um, I do Zoom for my work, and I, I think it's awful. It, it's just... it there's always a lag and it's not as if you're right there and I'm not blaming technology. I'm just saying, let's not use it for something as important as the presidential debate. So they said the debate commission changed the rules and said that they were going to do it virtually. And then Trump came out and said, Nope, I'm not doing it. Um, so I am going to play a clip of him saying that. And, uh, but I'm not going to do a virtual debate. So you're not so, Mr. President, you're not going to do it because the CPD, the Commission on Presidential Debates, announcing this morning uh, that the second presidential debate will be virtual. Are you saying you're not going to participate? No, I'm not going to waste my time on a virtual debate. That's not what debating's all about. You sit behind a computer and do a debate. It's ridiculous. And then they cut you off whenever they want. And uh, they're, pr- they're trying to protect Biden. Everybody is. They're trying like that NBC disaster where he went on a the show with Lester Holt, it was like, it was meant for a child. It wasn't meant for a, a grown person. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's not going to do it. And um, I think Biden planned some event that same day that it was supposed to be. So it's kind of just not happening. So there won't be another debate. And there's supposed to be three. 
So now it seems like there's only going to be two. I will also remind the audience in the 2016 presidential election, Trump did miss one of the Republican debates. Um, and he went out and was doing fundraising, I think, for mm. a good cause or something like that. And people were very shocked to see that he didn't go to that debate. So um, my thought on it is that I think it would have been an awful experience to watch. And I would not have wanted to watch that. I think that, yeah, like you said, they would just shut him off, mute him, all this stuff, try to make him look silly. Uh, and then it's also not really fair because you don't know what's going on on the other side of that camera. You don't know what they're seeing. You don't know. You just don't know anything. Mm. And I want to see them both right beside each other because mm. at least it, it gives a semblance of it being more fair. I agree. Uh, I think, you know, obviously this committee that came up with this decision, you know, is not without bias. And, you know, they can likewise say, okay, well, we do need to have three debates. So let's, change it and put some precautions but you know of course if they want to hold fast um i think it then it kind of gives them in a sense both an out on it but um i think in general um having a debate is better for trump and not having it is better for biden you know i think um you know we could argue that neither one is helped by debate but I think um, probably Trump is, is in a position where a debate could help him more than it could help Biden. Yes, I, I think so, um, especially right now. Mm -hmm. He, and I will also say, it seems like he did better against Hillary than he did against Biden. I think he just had better lines against her. And yeah, there was just something lacking there. And so I was really looking forward to seeing him you know, just he figured Biden out and he was just going to go for it again this time. And I think he would have improved. Uh, so it would have been fascinating to see, but um, it looks like we'll have to wait a bit for that to happen. Um, but I'd like to remind you, the election is less than a month away. So mm -hmm. it is coming up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that's why this is all so fascinating. Um, but yeah, I think that we've gone on uh, yeah, a good enough amount of time for this. I hope that you will listen to our next episode. We are going to be talking about the vice presidential debate, and we have some great clips for that as well. It is just delicious information, and then you're able to hear it, and you can tell your friends, no, that's not what Trump said. Uh, Trump is actually the best president this country has ever had. So no, don't speak about him like that. <laughs> so that's what we're here to do. Uh, we're here to equip you. But no, it, it is important to actually hear what happened versus uh, just hearing a bias uh, about it all. And um, it, the other reality is, and I'll just say this very, very quickly, uh, we are voting for human beings and human beings are imperfect and they are going to make many mistakes. And I personally think that uh, policy is much more important than personality. And so, yes, Trump is kind of crazy and he says a lot of stuff, but his policy is good. And Biden is, he's quieter, he's more charming in a sense. I, I actually don't think he is, but uh, a lot of people do. But his policies would destroy this country. And I'm not saying it would decimate this country, but it would just push us back mm -hmm. and hold us back. It would hurt our, our economy. It would rob us of a lot of our resources because there would be you know, great loss with some of the huge expenditures 
and you know basically goes back to a um, under the Obama administration they, you know they talk about creating jobs they don't have the ability to create jobs they don't understand anything about creating jobs all they know how to do is hire government workers and if that's for them creating jobs you yeah. know that that's ridiculous yeah um, so you know uh, all that we've all the good things we've experienced which of course the left is attempt to hide behind the curtain of covid uh, all that would be lost and we'd kind of be back to the dark ages of the obama years which again the media tried to present in a much more favorable way but it just was really slow growth and kind of a stagnation definitely so i agree wholeheartedly with what you said um so yeah all right thank you guys so much for listening to this show and if you like it please do uh subscribe and give this podcast five stars if you have a moment to do that and feel free to email me as well you can email the show at windbreakerpodcast at gmail.com i just want you guys to know i appreciate everyone who listens to this podcast and uh i value you and it, you know even if you disagree with me just know that even yeah even if we have opposite political views i love you at the end of the day because that's what matters and it's we can't be divided based off of that so just wanted to say that have a good one